and uh, thank you, Matt, for that introduction. Um, I am an avid endorsement. I've actually upgraded it now. I, I think it's more, it's better to say I'm a rugged endorsement. And so uh, whatever that is, that's me. And I am not a Carolina fan. I glory in the defeats that you guys took this year in basketball. Um, I was at the game at Cameron this year, um, and I was as excited as ever been. I was also at the game last year in Cameron, though, when uh, when you guys began the funeral for Coach K, and then you finalized the funeral in the Final Four, so all that stuff. So anyway, it is what, oh, stop it, stop it. We're in church, man. Y'all can't be cussing in church. Come on. You can cuss outside of church. You can't cuss in church. But, uh, <laughs> hey. Y'all want to fight? We can fight, man. I mean, nah. Um, family matters, man. So for the last three weeks, you've heard from your pastor the first two weeks. You've heard from a seasoned pastor, Pastor Stetzer, last week. I, when I saw the lineup, I told Jake, well, if this is the Family Matters Conference, I am 100% Steve Urkel. All right, so in this lineup here, I am, uh, did I do that? I'm that guy. In this lineup, you have had, uh, I know Jake kind of laid the foundation the first couple of weeks, and then last week, I believe, if I stalked it properly, about being a kingdom family. Is that right? Okay. I asked those two guys because you guys forgot. I know how it goes. I'm, I'm, it's okay. Um, no, it is my joy to be here. I've been at Eufaula and preached several times, um, you know, since I've been <clears throat> down here in North Carolina. We planted our church five and a half years ago. It'll be six years this October. And, um, man, God has blessed. God is blessing. We got a, a building about two years ago, and, um, and God is just using that. We were able to see a lot of growth and to see people come to faith in Christ and baptized. And we've got people we're, that met at our church that are getting married, things like that, just crazy stuff. So awesome, awesome things that we are um, thankful for. I, will, I will do want to say this because I don't preach here much when your pastor's gone, all right? So, newsflash, a lot of times when I come to preach, it's an excuse for me and Jake to hang out for a few hours as well. So, like, we kind of double that up, you know? And so, I usually, when I'm preaching, he's sitting right here, all right? So, let me just say this to you guys, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Um, I don't have a closer friend in all the world than your pastor. Um, and I will say this about him. One of his unique qualities is I would say that probably 10 to 15 pastors around the country feel the same way about him. You know those types of people? And he has that personality. But here's the thing. I've known him for, uh, wow, it's probably been uh, 15, 12 to 15 years now. And back before we ever really met in person and knew each other, we talked on the phone every week. And he would always tell me, hey, if you ever need anything, you ever need a job, you ever need anything, you let me know. And the Lord took our family through a season of struggle in ministry back in 2012 uh, the end of 2012 and beginning of 2013, I was looking for a place to go. And so you know what I did? I called him. I said, hey, man, you've told me 25 times probably over the phone if I ever need a place to go. And I said, I need a place to go. And he was in Baltimore at the time, and the Lord worked it out in his sovereign will for us to go up there and serve with them. And we became uh, close friends. And still to this day, we vacation together, hit up Disney together, whatever. Uh, I think there's a cruise coming up later on this year, and so I, I just value his friendship, and I want you guys to know that you have a pastor who is a friend to other pastors, and that's what I desire to be, and that's who he is, and so uh, I just want to brag on him. Do not tell him that I did that, because I, 
out of character for me. I'm usually picking on him. I can tell you other things about him later, um, but I do appreciate him, and I appreciate the opportunity to be um, here today. Um, going to take a little bit of a turn from laying the foundation of what biblical marriage is, maybe taking a turn even from last week about what does it look like to be a kingdom family, a kingdom couple. And maybe I can just piggyback off of that and say, it's difficult to be a kingdom couple if there's always conflict in your marriage. And actually, we could probably fill in that blank. It's difficult to do anything positive when, there's, when we know that there's conflict in the background. I don't know how many of you were raised in a home where your parents were really, really good Christians, but on the way to church, man, y'all be fighting and arguing, and they be screaming at the kids, and they be yelling at each other, and they pull up in the church parking lot, and it's like all of a sudden it's like, whoop. hey, brother, hey, sister, man, I had such a good day, and like, and I'm like, man, why can't you just yell at her in front of them? Like, I don't understand, but I don't know. It's kind of like the, the old theologian back in the early 90s, Rodney King. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, wrote a couple books of the Bible maybe. But um, why can't we all just get along, right? And so tonight I want to talk just about conflict resolution in marriage. Now, we're going to talk about in marriage specifically, but... If you are living, breathing tonight, and you interact with more people than just yourself, you have conflict. If I can even say this, if you just interact with yourself, like I disagree with myself on a consistent basis, right? I'll say something or make a decision, I'm like, Josh, that was stupid. Like I would never do that again. Um, so conflict is something that we have to face, right? It just is what it is. Conflict is inevitable. It's inevitable when two people get together, guaranteed, you're going to think differently, you're going to see things differently, you're going to believe things differently. There's no greater illustration of this than me and Matt. I mean, you have UNC, you have Duke. You have terrible food, you have incredible food. Steak, ribeye steaks, medium rare, still mooing. Chicken tenders, right? I mean, so at the end of the day, at the end of the day, but the truth is we can find conflict anywhere. Anybody ever been in a work environment that the work environment was filled with conflict? I know people that will leave their jobs and sometimes take pay decreases because of the environment that they have to work in. So conflict is all around us. And so what I want to say tonight is if you're here tonight and you're not in a uh, a marriage relationship, please don't take tonight as just, this is not just about conflict in marriage. This is about conflict in general, in general. Conflict is inevitable, but let me say this, it does not have to be interminable. I had to look that word up. Uh, but that means never ending. It doesn't have to always be. You say, well, I don't think you know my husband. <laughs> and I don't. But I can tell you this, I don't, Believe conflict always has to be. We're going to be, we could look in a couple of different spots uh, tonight. If you think in scripture, you think of conflict. I think of Abraham and Lot, and it wasn't just the conflict of Abraham and Lot. The Bible tells us that it was their herdsmen. So their conflict was not just between them as individuals, but it impacted 
those around them. And there's actually a whole thing to learn about that. I'm not going to go there tonight. But that was a, a, a passage of scripture that I considered. I'm actually preaching through the book of Galatians right now. And you have Paul and Peter who Paul confronts Peter and has a conflict with Peter over his hypocrisy and some of the teachings that the way he was living really. And so I could have brought that up. That would have been very easy because I'm in, like I said, I'm in the middle of the book of Galatians. There are many other times in scripture. You have all the interactions in the gospels between John and Peter. Like they're polar opposites. You know there had to be like real conflict. But I really want to go all the way back. Could it be that we could not even make it through the first family without conflict? Could it be that God created Adam and then created Eve to be his help his helper and that they would have conflict? They, they did. I think it's it's pretty wild to think that out of God's original creation the sons of the original creation, one of them killed, killed the other one. I mean, we went downhill quick, guys. We were like murdering family in the, in the first, the second generation. But we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 this evening. I'm going to let you out on time. My church knows what that means. So, Verse 6 in Genesis chapter 3, if you have your Bibles... And this is obviously a story that we all know, but I want to pull some truths out of it this evening. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he, God, said, Who, who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? Wherever I commanded thee that thou should, uh, should not eat? The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed. Above all the cattle, above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust Shalt thou eat all the days of thy life? I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and, and thy conception. And thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. 
For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. There is nothing greater. I don't think we could talk about a greater form of conflict than the first explosive sin in Scripture. Conflict is inevitable. It does not have to be eternal. It does not have to be endless. Can we pray together and then dive in to, I believe, three, four truths in this text that I believe can help us tonight as we think about conflict resolution. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we come before you tonight asking you to speak through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me just say this too. You, some of you do not know me well. Let me just say this. Everybody has conflict. Okay? Everybody. Even like that really good Christian couple that you're thinking about maybe, they do. And if they tell you that they don't have conflict, they are liars. And so they're not as good of a Christian couple as you think they are. Okay? Everybody has conflict. There is conflict present. Now, some people deal with conflict in different ways. Some people deal with conflict by fighting it out at every chance they get. Some people deal with conflict by trying to reason it out every chance they get. Some people deal with conflict by ignoring the fact that it's going on. Okay, so don't let those reactions to conflict fool you. There's conflict. Okay, I don't know. It's like when I do premarital counseling, I want to say, listen, if there's like this little red flag over here in the corner when you're dating, like that red flag becomes like a massive red flag like two years into your marriage. Like you need to know that. But conflict is something we have to deal with. And so let's take this text. Number one, let's look at this. Conflict resolution requires confession and not covering. Conflict resolution requires confession and not covering. You see, Adam and Eve existed in the Garden of Eden in a perfect society. They were void of even having to cover their bodies with clothes. It was just... Them too, there was no sin, there was no lust, there was none of these uh, things that we experience and we have, to, we have to fight our way through really in life. In fact, they were so free that they walked around without clothes and so they, they do eat of the fruit of the tree. Uh, they instantly realize what they've done and the first thing that they do before they go hide from God, look at what the text says in verse 7. The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. This was in preparation to hide and cover the sin that they had brought in their life. And may I say this this evening, that when we are speaking of conflict, when we have these situations in, in our lives, that confession and being open is the biblical route as opposed to uh, covering and concealing. This, this, this evening, if you're a spouse, if you're a husband or a wife here, and you and your spouse have continuing conflict, the answer is not to cover it up. Let me tell you who knows, your kids. Your kids know. The answer this evening is not to make fig leaves and try to cover up the issues 
that are going on in your life. May I say this? Churches uh, all across this country are filled with people who have deep, dark issues in their life, and they've become professionals at weaving coverings over their issues. And so they sit here in church, and they amen, Pastor Jake, and they shake your hand after the service, and they may serve in a different, uh, different ministries that are offered around here, but they go in their car, and their life is a living hell, and their family's a living hell. And from Sunday evening after church until Wednesday night right before this church, their life is in torment. And then they leave here and Thursday morning, their life goes back to torment until Sunday morning. And may I say, the answer to conflict resolution is not to cover it up. Instead, it is what we'll see in this text, it's confession. It is meeting God where it, when he comes. It is confessing before him as Adam had to do. But it requires confession. Not covering it. May I say this? The sin that is covered will continually progress. Listen to me. The conflict that's covered, the sin that's covered in a marriage, in a life, it is not, if it's covered, it's not going to digress. It's not going to begin to, begin to, to, uh, to get better. It's going to always progressively get worse. So the answer, if we're having conflict, like we all have, is confession and not covering. Secondly, I want us to see as we move through the text, a, conf- a conflict resolution requires communication, and that piggybacks off of confession. But look what they did in verse 8. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. In the cool of the day, Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They didn't want anything to do. They, God would come down in the cool of the day. It must have been mid-March in North Carolina, the cool of the day. I'm like, why am I wearing a sweater in March? But anyway, God would come down and he would communicate. And every day they would talk with him, but this conflict arose and what did they naturally do they naturally they naturally pulled away they naturally pulled away and conflict resolution requires communication well Josh you don't understand what she did or said to me and I don't but I do know this the only way you're going to begin to heal and you're going to begin to get through the conflict is to communicate It's not to hide yourself in the garden where you can't be found and you can't be communicated with. No, it's going to be to communicate. It's going to be to confess. Conflict resolution requires communication. Matthew in chapter 18 and verse 15, by the way, side note, any type of conflict. You're having an issue with a brother or sister at church. You're having an issue with a spouse. You have an issue with a friend, you have an issue with your aunt or your uncle, your cousin, your whatever, your in-laws. Matthew 18 is very, very, very clear on how to deal with it. Look what it says in verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. 
If he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or more, one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he, if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. I want to focus my attention on this communication side on, on one part of this. If he hears you. And sometimes conflict resolution, especially to type A personalities, it can start with you shutting up and listening to someone else for a second. Josh, this is me. Sometimes conflict resolution, communication, the problem with communication is you won't shut up and listen. And this is what it says in Matthew 18. Hey, if that person will actually listen to you, if they will lend you their ear, you can gain a brother. There's a lot more to unpack there. By the way, I have yet. I've been pastoring now five and a half years, so that's not a long time. But I've been in ministry for 17. I have yet to see someone go through the Matthew 18 mode of conflict resolution. Andy, I'm going to come to you directly. Most 99 times out of 100, it's done. The conflict's over. Because I'm going to come to you in humility. Maybe two or three times in 17 years have I said, have I seen somebody go to Andy and Andy not here and I say, Matt, Coleman, you guys know about this. Will you come with me? And we can. I have never, I have never personally seen someone take the Matthew 18 formula for conflict resolution and have it go all the way to the church. And they go to the leadership of the church and they still won't listen. And so the church has to say, Hey, I'm sorry, you're no longer a part of our, our church. I've never seen that. You know what I have seen? People fight and have conflict and fight and have conflict for 10 years, for 12 years, for 15 years because they won't go through a biblical process of confession, of communication, of listening. I would say this, if you struggle with listening like I do sometimes, you, you need to be very intentional you need to say things like, like I say to my wife, Sarah, I, I promise you I'm listening to you right now. And that, that means I'm really listening. I'm not just looking at you and nodding my head. I am really listening. I have found that oftentimes when we're arguing with people, you know what? We know some people just want all they want. They don't want to win. They just want to be heard. They just want to be heard. And scripture tells us if, the, if your brother will hear you, if you guys can have a communication, confession, conversation, there's a lot of C's there. A communication and confession conversation, man, it can just it, it can really open and break down those barriers and open up those doors again. I mean, James 1.19 tells us, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. Unfortunately, in, in, in most conflict, we are swift to speak and we are slow to hear. And you know what it causes? Wrath. Conflict resolution, no matter if it's in your marriage or whether it's with a co-worker or whether it's with an estranged family member, it's going to come down to two human beings sitting across the table from one another and having a conversation. And there's going to need to be confession, there's going to need to be listening. There's going to need to be 
mouths that are shut, ears that are open. And I know that's not easy to hear tonight. I understand when we are convinced that we are right, that some of us will fight tooth and nail because we're right. But can I say this morning, this evening, sometimes it doesn't matter if you're right or if you're wrong. When conflict becomes a part of your life consistently, you are always wrong. Because conflict in the life of a believer should not be a, a regular, it shouldn't be something that takes place in your life on a consistent basis. Conflict resolution requires confession, not covering. That requires communication. Communication involves speaking and involves listening. And may I just say before I move on, I've hit on the type A personalities because I happen to be one. But if you're one of those who suppress everything and you don't like to talk, part of this conflict resolution means you need to speak up. You need to. Appropriately, in the right context. And that person that you're having conflict with, you need to make sure they're in a position where they can listen. And you need to fight through your natural urge of pressing it down and pressing it in and you need to communicate because that conflict is never going, going to go away. I don't know if you're like me, guys. You ever had your wife bring up something that you did like months ago? Anybody? Oh, y'all's wives are in here. Y'all can't admit to that. I'm sorry. Just wink at me and your wives won't see you. Right, there we go. We got hands up in the back. All right, cool. And I'm like, babe, I forgot I even did that. But it had been burning in her heart. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Thank you for reminding me that I did that, and I'm really sorry. <laughs> Conflict resolution requires confession, not covering. That requires communication two ways. Thirdly, this evening, conflict resolution requires the acceptance of blame. The acceptance of blame. You know where I'm going with this, right, Adam and Eve? Let's read the text again. Verse 11, he said, Who told thee thou wast naked? Have thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee thou shouldest not eat? The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. God comes to Adam and says, Adam, what happened? He goes, Zeev, by the way, can we all pact, come together as a unified body of believers? And one day when we get to heaven, can we go to Eve and be like, what were you thinking? Why? Can you imagine? But the blame comes to Adam as the head of the household, and Adam quickly shifts the blame to Eve, but Eve, learning from her husband, the Lord said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. The truth is this, both Adam and Eve, when faced with whose problem is it, they both quickly said it's the other person. We're getting, we're getting down here where we live now. There's conflict in every relationship. And if we're not careful, if you ask me who's the cause of my conflict in my marriage, you know what my answer is going to be if I'm not careful? My wife. Well, if she would just, if she just thought like I do, 
Guys, I've been married for 16, seven, coming up on 17 years. She ain't going to ever think like I do. And probably good. I'd probably, probably go crazy. And listen, the truth is, if there's conflict between two people, those two people need to accept the blame for that conflict. I will say this, there are probably good, Jesus-loving, church-going people who have had long-term conflict with family members, long-term conflict in their marriage, and they are convinced that they are not the problem. And at the end of the day, if you let the sun go down on your wrath, then you are the problem. Let me repeat that. If you let the sun go down on your wrath, you are the problem. Because that is a command of Scripture. And you are in direct disobedience to it. Accepting the blame. What does that require? Humility. Listen, I may be right in my argument. I may be right in my position. But I was wrong in my disposition. I was wrong in my verbiage. And so it is, I am sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Those, those three statements. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? It's an acceptance of the blame. But, but Josh, he also, you ain't he. You are she. Okay? Take acceptance of the blame. I've dealt with, in my years of ministry, I've dealt with many different families that have gone through divorce. And, and every single time, I mean, I, I, I hate it. God, there's a family that's been struggling this close to me. Thought it was over. I'm talking about all the way to uh, divorce papers have been signed and they were going in the mail the next day. And God has turned the marriage around, which is incredible. Um, but I've seen divorce in churches for 17 years. And I can promise you this. Every single time, it is never 100% one person's fault and 0% the other person's fault. Ever. Ne- never. 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 Now, I'm not going to say it's always 50-50, but I can promise you that both parties participate in the conflict. And here's how I know why. You ever seen anybody argue with a wall? There's got to be somebody else there to, con- to have conflict. Humility is key. Let nothing be done, Philippians 2, through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Acceptance of blame. Lowliness of mind. Humility. Acceptance of blame means you take the blame even in your flesh, even when in your flesh you don't think you are to blame. We don't live by our flesh. Acceptance of blame. Say, Josh, what's the goal for tonight? We're going to get to our final point. The goal tonight is not that we would all go home and never have any more conflict. I think we said at the very beginning, conflict is inevitable. 
My goal tonight is that as conflict comes in our lives, that we process it in a biblical manner, that we communicate about it with a humble spirit. Why? Because of our last point. Conflict resolution tonight requires an understanding of grace and forgiveness. Conflict resolution, I guess you could just simplify it and say conflict resolution requires an understanding of the gospel. That's grace and forgiveness. Adam and Eve's conflict ultimately brought about the grace and forgiveness of Jesus, the Lamb of God. You know how we said at the beginning this evening that they covered themselves with those leaves, the fig leaves. Remember, they were trying to cover it. In verse 21 in Genesis chapter 3, after this is all said and done, God unto Adam, also unto his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins and he clothed them. If you look into that, it's very obvious that was the, the, the coat of animal skins. And so right from the very start, the first conflict and sin that happens in our, in our world, God says, you don't cover it yourself. I cover it. And the only way I can cover it is by the shedding of blood. Those animal skins. It was not fig leaves. An animal, and we don't have the details, and I'm not one of those people that try to add details. We don't have the details, but God found an animal, and he killed that animal, and he used the, the skin of that animal, the blood that was shed, he used the skin of that animal, and he covered that transgression. And it was just a sign. It was just pointing to the day that he would come, and all the conflict of this world, and the chaos in this world, and the, the disagreements in this world, and the sin in this world is just pointing to the day that his son Jesus would come and live a perfect and sinless and holy life and go to a cross and, and die on that cross for your sin and my sin and not just die for our sin, but according to 2 Corinthians 5, he became our sin on the cross. And he didn't, he didn't just stay on that cross. He, he, they took him down and they buried him and he rose again Easter Sunday as we'll celebrate. I believe it was April 9th back in the day. I'm just kidding. Uh, but, uh, but we'll celebrate it on Easter Sunday. It's the grace of God. It's forgiveness that's found in Jesus. And conflict resolution requires grace and forgiveness this evening. Grace and forgiveness. It looks a little bit like having the mind of Christ from Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He knew who he was. But he made himself of no reputation. This is Jesus, the holy, spotless Son of God. He made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You see, when we will come to grips with the beauty of the grace of God this evening and the forgiveness that he offers us, guess what we can do? 
We can look our spouse in the eye and we can say, I love you. I forgive you. You remember earlier? I'm sorry. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? We can respond with it doesn't matter. I love you and I forgive you. That is the grace of God on display in your marriage. That is the gospel of Jesus Christ being lived out in your marriage. You say, Josh, you don't understand what all I'm going to have to forgive. And I get that. I get that. But be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? How? You don't understand how bad and what I have to forgive, Josh. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Listen, conflict in marriage, I don't know the size or scope of the conflicts that you've had in your marriage. But I can promise you this. They will not be nearly as broad as the scope of our sin that God forgave when Jesus was on that cross. Listen, if God can forgive you, then you can forgive him. Not God, your husband. If God can forgive you, you can forgive her. It might be difficult. I mean, Jesus, the perfect, holy, spotless son of God who knew the plan of redemption from eternity past, even asked if this cup could be removed from him. It's not going to be easy. But if we want to be husbands and wives, couples, families, as you heard last week, that are kingdom focused, that are bringing glory and honor to God in our families and our lives, and we've got to learn to forgive. And we've got to take the same grace that God gave us. And we've got to give it to our spouse. Listen, don't be that family. Your kids know you can't stand each other. But you come to church, boy, and you put that smile on and you call everybody brother and sister. Let me tell you what your kids are going to do. I'm going to tell you right now. As soon as they can, they're gone, bro. Well, I just hate it that my little kids don't go to church no more. They just turned 16 and got their license and they don't want nothing to do with it. Well, bucko, They saw conflict and chaos and conflict and chaos. And then once a week, they saw a Christian. I pray tonight, as we close, that the same grace and forgiveness that God showed you is the same grace and forgiveness you will show your husband or your wife or whoever you're talking about in conflict even when you are right and they're wrong, even when you think you've won the argument, will you show them grace? Will you show them forgiveness? Heavenly Father, we love you today. God, I pray that as we leave here tonight, that the Holy Spirit of God would arrest our hearts with the truth of your grace and your forgiveness that you so freely offered. And I love the fact, God, that you, 
immediately showed Adam and Eve that you were going to cover them. Those skins of those animals would cover them. The blood that was shed would cover them. And I thank you so much tonight for the grace and forgiveness that we've experienced in the gospel. May we show it to our spouse every time there's conflict. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much tonight, uh, Pastor. Appreciate that. And let me say this to you, uh, married couple, single, whoever's in the room tonight.